0: So, again, 1 Peter chapter 4. I spoke about this subject last week. And it's because I just wanted to finish up where we were talking about last week. Talking about suffering as a Christian. Because a lot of us, we don't want to suffer. And I, and I don't want to suffer. Please, don't think I like to suffer. I don't like to suffer. Early in my ministry days, I made the mistake of one, one time... Saying, I was preaching on, I don't know, the battle or something. And and I, my wife's laughing at me. Because she knows all the dumb mistakes I've made in my life. And uh, I said, I said, oh, I love the battle. I love the battle. I love the fight. And I, I, I and I might even said something dumb like, ah, bring it on, devil. Bring it on. You don't have to tell him to bring it on. He's bringing it. And he's going to keep bringing it. And you don't have to tell them to. But I said that. And you know what? What a foolish statement. Because he brought. He brought it. And brought it big time. And so, you know, we don't like the battles. I don't, I don't pray for battles. I don't ask the Lord. to. I know what battles do. I know that it matures our faith. I know that it strengthens us. I know that it builds us up. I don't pray for them. Amen. I don't want them. I was going to say something silly about, you can have them, but I don't. I don't want us to have them, but I understand something. We are going to have them, right? And, and a huge part, I would say, of the Christian life is suffering. And the thing is, all the joyful people around you and I, they look joyful. Yeah. But the truth is, in some part of their life, in some issue of their life, in some some deep, hidden door behind a locked key of their heart, they are suffering about something and struggling about something. And I, and, I, and, I, and I want to encourage you to not quit because you've been in a struggle and that you are continuing in a struggle. I want to encourage you through God's word because, because, because it's good. And there's something really awesome here about about learning about life i'm not trying to be a downer but but when you serve god when you're really living for jesus there's suffering involved let's read our text and i'm not going to cover everything i spoke on last week i'm going to try to just move on but let me read the text 1 peter chapter 4 and peter says for much For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm, that word word arm means to prepare yourself with or to put on. It's like like the term of like armament. When the soldier puts on armament to go into battle, Peter is saying, for as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself with. Likewise, with the same mind or the same thinking that Jesus had about suffering. In essence, that suffering is good because Jesus suffered to pay for our sins. Without that suffering, we'd have no forgiveness. Christ thought it was necessary. Christ knew it was necessary. Christ thought it was profitable. He knew it would be profitable for mankind that if he suffered. So Peter says, take on that same thinking in your own life about suffering because he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his life the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men but to the will of God for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness and lusts and excess of wine and revelings and banquetings and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange. And doesn't the world think it strange that we do not run with them to the same excess uh, excess of riot? Speaking evil of you, they make fun of you. They talk bad about you because you won't go get drunk or listen to the perverted jokes or watch their junk on the Internet. in in that 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 you don't do the things that you used to do who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead for for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead that they might be judged according to men in the flesh but live according to God in the spirit but the end of all things is at hand be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves for charity or love covers the multitude of sins use hospitality one to another without grudging as every man has received the gift even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of god if any man speak Let him speak as the oracles of God. If a man ministers, let him do it as the ability of which God gives. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, think it. You ought to highlight it, underline it, cut it out, paste it in the front of your Bible. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though, as though some strange thing, strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice. And as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Father, bless and use, plant, grow, grow, Water, work your word into our heart, into our life. Just use it for you, you, Lord. And and may we grow by what we hear in these next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. I told you a story about a preacher that, it was actually Francis Chan, honestly, who I, I like a lot. I like him a lot I don't agree with everything that he probably believes. theologically we are a little different but that's okay when it comes to the main things the gospel and and stuff like that we're spot on he his government's a little bit different in church and all and but but that's fine he, he's not a heretic he 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 preaches the truth and he went on a missions trip to China and he saw this little he saw this village and he, he went and talked to one of the underground ministers of the churches that, of the church near this village in China. And And, and, and Francis was blown away by the sacrificial suffer, suffering living that these Christians were doing. There were 70 families in this village, and they didn't have anything. You know they, they farm what, what do you farm in China? rice? or something you know they just farmed that type of typical product there and they they got by in their living but they realized something that as a christian no matter what they have or don't have as a christian they're to love people to care for people to sacrificially and sufferingly live for jesus christ if that is what they are called to do so you know what they did Nikki. They went out and adopted, these 70 families, went out and adopted 170 needy children. And when I mean needy children, I mean handicapped physically, handicapped mentally, you name it, they had the handicap. And Francis said, I'm walking around this village and I'm watching these people who have nothing but the greatest thing they could ever have, and that's the love of Christ in their heart, carrying around these crippled kids sacrificing everything that they don't even have so that these children could have not only a physically better life, but a life to live, to grow up in an adopted Christian home where they could also be adopted into the family of God. And he was talking to this preacher and he said, listen, I, I'm blown away because we don't necessarily live like that in America. You know, we live we think you come to Jesus, everything just gets better. You know, we have people all over the place preaching this prosperity gospel about, you know, Jesus wants to bless your life. Jesus wants to make it good. Jesus wants to give you a Cadillac. Jesus wants to, to make sure you never hit a pothole or a speed hump or whatever. And, and the, the Chinese underground pastor said five things to, to Francis Chan. And the fifth it was the thing that blew him away. And he said this, he said, we are committed to five things in the church, similar probably to what you are committed to in your church. We're committed to the Bible. We're committed to prayer. We're committed to everyone here in the gospel. And that's amazing to hear about the, un- these are underground Christians in China. They, they got the same Jesus we got, man, and, and committed to the same things. He said, we're committed to regularly expecting God to do miraculous things. Now, we in Baptist churches, we're scared of talking about miracles. Because, you know, we're thinking, you know, miracles, seeing Jesus in your uh, crumpet when you pull it out of the toaster or something. That's not what we're... You know, miracles about people saying, pray for me, I got cancer, and then maybe they don't have cancer no more. That happens, amen? That, That can happen. We have a... Cancer curing God. But we also have a God that might say, you know what? For my glory and purpose, it's better for you to have cancer and to die of that disease so that I may be glorified. Now, we don't understand that, but that can be true. Amen? Amen? So he said, we're, we're committed to regularly seeing and expecting God doing miraculous things. But he said, Francis, the fifth thing is what distinguishes many third world Christians From western Christians. He said I'm not. He's probably thinking. I'm not condemning you. I'm just telling you something. And the fifth thing was this. We are also committed. To embracing suffering. To the glory of Christ. To embrace suffering. To the glory of Christ. Our text says. In verse 1. For as much then. As Jesus has suffered for us in the flesh. Put on. The same thinking that he has about suffering. He was willing to suffer for you. We ought to be willing to suffer for him. And so I talked about that in great detail last week. Arm yourselves. But why do we why do we need to suffer? And, and I began to talk about this. I just want to do a little bit more. Why do we need to think like Jesus about suffering? Because you know our text says that he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. I've never seen, I've never seen a birth and the baby coming out without first my wife suffering. I've just never seen it. Now, my mom, she did, and probably Andrew's mom, because he's old, and maybe, Patrick, you're kind of young, but maybe your mom did as well, and I'm sure, Alex, maybe your mom and others. Uh, My mom, when she gave birth, they they didn't give birth. They got put to sleep. They yanked me out, and the way we went, you know? They, They put my mom to sleep. Didn't they do that here? No? No? Oh, yeah. In in the 60s, man, and Lisa's mom was asleep. In the 60s, my mom said, man, it was great. We went in, went in a wheelchair. The contractions are starting. Beep, a little happy juice out. Next thing I know, they're bringing me baby in my arms. That's how we want life. Everybody's laughing. I didn't know. I thought that was normal. (laughs) You know? That's how they did it where I'm from, maybe. That's why I'm like I am, amen? And And... So, so th- you want your Christian life to be like that, don't you? Jesus, put me to sleep and let me not suffer. But you know what? To have beauty. I held that little fellow over there, A- Aiden. Yeah, got it right. I held Aiden, and I was holding it, and he starts talking to me. Well, it's not, but he started cooing. That melted my heart. You know, I, I love that. I said to Keisha and Curtis, dude, that's why we had six kids. We like babies, man. And, and I was holding that baby and I thought, beauty, this is the essence of beauty. And, and you know what the Lord's saying here? Is he that suffers in the flesh will cease from sin. To overcome these things that you're dealing with, the answer to them might be you have to suffer from them or suffer in them and through them. Remember I told you last week, when a, when a kid kicks heroin, he has to go, what do you call it? Withdrawals. He, he goes through the withdrawals. When you're fighting pornography, you're going to have to go through the withdrawals. When you're fighting alcoholism, you're going to have to go through the withdrawals. When you're fighting anger, hatred, bitterness, you're going to have to go through the withdrawals. What, what do you mean, Pastor, about withdrawals? You, you know what I mean. Something's happened and you're mad about it and you're mad at a person and you, and, and you have maybe the right because it was unfair and what they did was wrong but it's begun to consume every part of you. You think about it when you're in the shower. I know what I'll say to them. Because you, know, you know why I know that? Because I do that or did that. I'd be in the shower planning out my attack. And then I said, no, no, that's not right. Go on. Then I'm in the car thinking about it. And I'm planning it. And you know what I'm doing? I'm not letting it go and letting God. I'm festering it. But you know what? When I got to the point that said, no, this is wrong and it's killing me inside. No. Then that's when I began to suffer the pains of fighting the withdrawal. Because let's face it, it feels good to fester sometimes, doesn't it? It's like like your explosion. It feels good to blow off, doesn't it? Not really. It doesn't really feel good. It's just your sinful, carnal nature that wants to blow off. And so we blow it off, and for that one half trillionth of a second, we feel good, but then all that other junk comes back. The guilt and the shame and then you got to talk to the Lord about it and it's back and forth back and forth you know what he's saying instead of instead of you wanting God to take away all the pain wanting God to take away all of our burdens and everything what we need to do is understand that maybe what's happening here is God is teaching you something. Through these situations. And what we need to do. Is not look at it as a bad thing. But look at it as. There's something down the road. There's a victory down the road. There's beauty down the road. Because I'm sure Keisha probably in those three minutes. That you were in delivery. I have no idea how long you are in delivery. I don't want to know private stuff. Okay. It's all painful. I'm glad and praise the Lord. I'm a guy so many times. After my wife has had babies. Amen. But. But you know what? During it was hard and painful. But you wouldn't trade any of that pain in the sense that if you had to trade the pain in for no pain, you'd have no baby. You'd take the baby and keep the pain, wouldn't you? If you if, if your only option was no pain, no baby, I'm sure there'd be you couldn't give up Aiden, you know. Just realize that in the suffering of the things that we go through there is something on the other side and we will never know unless we suffer through it jesus said in that verse he that suffers in the flesh has ceased from sin fighting against sin is suffering against sin you know when we suffer in the flesh we are to arm ourselves with the same way of thinking because whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. When we suffer in the flesh for these things, you you know what? We will know we're... Oh, I get so excited. I get lost in my thing. Listen to this again. Suffered in the flesh. Get the same thinking that Jesus had about suffering because whoever has suffered in the flesh you've overcome that thing you don't overcome it by giving into it but you overcome it by fighting it through the spirit of god through his word through people around you you know get an accountability person find somebody to pray with you about things find someone that you can pray for about them you know for them about things you know Prepare yourself. Go into battle, not by yourself, but with everything God has given you to go into battle for. And then, suffer through those things. Don't give in to them. Don't give in to the temptations of sin. Suffer through them so that you can, what? So that you don't live the rest of your time in the flesh with those human passions, but you live your life to the purpose and the will of God. What's the purpose of suffering? In many ways, it's so that we can live to the will of God. It takes suffering at times, folks, to kick sin. You remember Joel? Now, if you remember Joel, raise your hand, because there only should be a few. Oh, good, half of you. And that old boy, let's face it, no one in this room thought he'd ever get right, probably. You know, oh, Joel, he... Oh no no no! Not the African Joel, the drunk, dopey Joel. That one. Okay, all right. A few of us. I'm sorry. Y'all were looking at me like, what are you talking about? Joel came in on Christmas Eve. He called me up. Give me five extra minutes, and I'll let you go. Is that okay? All right. He called me up, and he said, "No lie, I remember as if it was yesterday." Hello. Hi. Do you take heathens in your church? That's his conversation. say, oh, I wish more heathens would call me. He said, do you take heathens in your church? I'm sitting at the dinner table. I, uh, see, yes, yes, we, we take heathens, all types. Okay, and I'm, I'm talking, because so I'm thinking, he's not coming. We start the Christmas Eve service. We're up here singing, sil- uh, singing whatever, and he comes walking in that door, with the hoodie over his head, like this. And I'm sitting up, there, standing up there, and he's walking with his hoodie like this, li- really. And I said, "Dear God, in my head, please, don't let him sit down front, Lord. Whatever you do, just put him in the back. He he's going to draw all the attention. I'm such a I'm such a dummy, aren't I? Guess where he sat. Right, yep, yeah, right." there in that seat we start singing silent night silent night right not him silent night Uh, uh. holy night he's rapping silent night the cigarette smoke was so bad i could smell it here and it just wafted everywhere for months he came off and on jacob was so fearful of this guy that he'd have nightmares at night about Joel climbing up in a ladder into the bedroom and kidnapping him. Because this is about five years ago. Joel would, at church, Joel would chase him around the building. Joel thought it was fun and Jacob was having a good time. No, Jacob was running for his dear life. I kept working with Joel to get him into rehab and I'd find him a rehab at the very last minute He'd say no. And I couldn't get him into rehab. And one day we're sitting here and everybody'd left. It was a Sunday night. (coughs) And I I was just, again, for the umpteenth time, went through the gospel with him. And he said to me, right there, he said, Steve, I I want to pray and ask Jesus into my life. But I think I want to do it because you guys have been so kind to me and you love me and you've accepted me just like I am. and, And I want to please you. And I said, But Joel. You can't get saved because you want to please me. It's because you understand your sin before God. And I'd given him a Bible the week a week, seven days before. He read most of it in that week. How do I know? Because I would say a verse, he goes, oh, oh I, that, that's in that book of Acts thing, isn't it? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, that's, that's in the old part of the Bible. It, yeah, he just knew. The guy was brilliant-minded, but he had been devastated by drugs and alcohol. He goes home. He said, I'm just going to go read the Bible. The next morning, a voicemail was on my phone, and it said, hey, 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 I did that thing. I did that thing. I don't know if it worked, but I I feel different. I did that thing. Call me. And and I called him back, and I said, what would you do, Joe? He said, I prayed and asked Jesus to forgive me. Do you mean it? Yes. I said would you go to rehab yes I got him in rehab two days later now couldn't get him in the one at at Leighton Kelly's but I got him down in one in Wales and uh, got him down there in Wales and do you know what he's doing now today five years on he is the manager of one of the rehabs through that church and that ministry his entire life has changed but you know what they first did with him when he got him down there put him through um, withdrawals to kick the habits of sin. He would never change or trade in that night of withdrawals if it meant having what he had today. So what's Peter tell us? Suffer. Suffer. It is suffering to end sin In your life. Now are we going to end sin completely? No. Don't even think you are. We're always going to have something that we're dealing with. Right? I have things that I deal with in my life even now that that they are suffering. They're suffering because I don't want to be overwhelmed by it. They're suffering because I, I, I don't want that sin to overtake me. They're suffering because I want God to work in my life. We are to fight against sin. We are to put on Ephesians 6 armor. But we are also to be a good soldier, and a good soldier stands and he does suffer. I don't know of any soldier in the military that doesn't suffer. My nine years in the military, the only time I didn't suffer about something in the Army is when I wasn't actually on duty. Because every time I was either suffering through guard duty or suffering through a 12-mile row march or suffering through the Mojave Desert... Or suffering through NTC, National Training Center. Or suffering down in the swamps of whatever place I was in the south. Suffer, suffer, suffer. But that's what you do. That's not fair. Well, you know, let's just think about it. It probably wasn't fair that God suffered for us. But he did it. And we profit from it. And it's a good thing. You know, we need to get to the point, I think, sometimes where in verse 3, it says, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. You know what Peter says? I know I've taken five minutes. Forgive me. I'll finish and we won't do this. We'll do Romans next week. It says, You know, we've spent enough time in our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in all these different sins. You know what he's saying? Get to the point in your life when you realize enough is enough. Enough is enough. And and decide not, I've had enough of that. I don't want any more of that. You know, the fight against sin is, is a continual thing, but we get to this point, we need to say, I don't want to be an alcoholic anymore. I don't want to be to be suffering the effects of this sin, of whatever it may be. Peter says, enough. We've spent enough time doing that stuff. We've spent enough time living the life of the world. We've spent enough time as a lost man doing the things that a lost man does. I don't need that anymore. And as a Christian, you need to remind yourself what that life was so that you don't go through the door again i know what the doors were i don't want them anymore i just want the lord i want god i want him why because you know what my heart's different and my mind's different but until i see jesus i'm not in my glorified body so i still have the warring of temptations and the natures that i have the the holy nature and the sinful nature. They don't like each other and they battle with one another. And as I walk in the abiding presence of Jesus Christ, I will overcome these things. But if I give in and stop walking in the abiding presence of Christ, I will give in to these things and I will be consumed by these things. Decide enough is enough and walk with Christ. You know what? In verse six and seven, it teaches us how to do it. We need to exercise self-control. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be sober, be serious, and watchful. Why? Because they affect your prayers. You know what he's saying? Exercise self-control. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded. Why? For the sake of your prayer life. For the sake of your spiritual life. The goal in being in tune with God is so that we can pray. Because, hey, if your mind is filled with rubbish, how can we really pray? If our life is filled with all the sins and junk that we're doing, How can we really pray? It's it's right there in the text in verse 7. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Why? Because the end of all things is at hand. The end is coming. And we don't have time to live like that anymore. We need to live for God because I'll use an analogy for, for football, American football, because it's all I know, really. But we're in the fourth quarter. There's two minutes of the game left. You're down by seven. There's no time to just sit on the ball. you got to move the ball towards the goal. I don't know if you understand that analogy, but you can probably figure it out. The game's almost over. You're losing, you're losing, but the ball is in your hand, you make the move, you go forward, you just don't quit. And this is the Christian life, you know. Guys, don't be surprised. Don't say, God, why? Look look at verses 8 through 12. I tell you what, just go to verse 12, and when you have more time, read verses 8 through 12. It says beloved do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. This is the battle of life that we're living in as a Christian but it is no re- it is not the excuse to give in. Well, I gave in and quit because I'm in a fight and the fight got too much. No. No. Remember what we said this morning? In the fight, depend on God's spirit. Depend on the power of God to enable you. Trust him. Let him work in you. But whatever you do, you don't stop. Whatever you do, you never quit. Whatever you do, you don't give in. And if you sit here this morning and you think, I just don't really have the desire anymore to move on. I don't really have the desire to hunger and thirst after God. I really don't have the desire. I don't have what you have, Pastor. I don't have what you're talking about, pastor. I don't have what the people around me have, pastor. Then this is when you need to realize there are serious alarm bells going off and you need to seek the help of iron versus sharpening iron. You need to seek someone to come up to you and say, look, pray with me because I'm battling this thing and I, I just can't do it. And then together we can understand these things and help you and encourage you. If there is that lack of desire, that's a siren and you ought to do something about it and don't if you're struggling today don't think people will think bad about you because i'm struggling lisa's struggling curtis is struggling d is struggling nikki's struggling Sheila probably not struggling she's perfect you know Teresa's Ther- struggling we're all struggling and we're in it together so just realize this this isn't sad and doomy and gloomy it's just the reality of things You want victory? Hunker in like a good soldier. Put on the armor of God and arm yourself in that armor of God with the same thinking Jesus had. Dude, it's okay to suffer because it's actually profitable in much of part of our lives to suffer for the glory of Christ.